G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. We have a musician today, so we're going to talk about life. The musician is Benedict, the brand new single from them, or the latest one, is called War Zone. Benedict, welcome to Radio Notes. Thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me. Three years plus you worked as a prison guard. Can you talk us through what the role was and I guess more importantly, how it affected you to make this music? Yeah, absolutely, John. Um, well, I mean, I yeah, obviously I've been, uh, you know, writing music my whole life, um, gigged since I was, you know, 15 and, um, you know, writing since I was five. So I, I did kick into, I've done a lot of youth work and those sort of things and I, I delved into the prison world, uh, which I thought I'd take up the challenge, but uh, being a deep empath, that deeply affected me actually. So, um, yeah, I ended up writing this project after I'd finished uh, working in, in the cells, and you know, it's it's a it's another world down there um, in, in that you know in in that area. So um, definitely affected me um, to sort of you know write music uh, connective to I guess social justice and social observation um, on on the basis that I feel like there is a community of people um, in the prison system that shouldn't be there and. Um, but don't have the voice or don't have the rehabilitation options. And um, that is something I'm deeply passionate about that I, I kind of want to reflect in my music at times. You mentioned there about the deep empath that you have uh, as a human being. Yes. So what way did that play a role in you deciding to take up that position in the first place of being in and around the prison system? Yeah, you know, I've always been about, I guess, justice and um, I was always interested in police work actually a friend of mine at the time happened to be working in the prison system and suggested I give that a go first to get an idea of you know the world it is and it's a bit more controlled the environment I guess opposed to being out in the streets as a copper and the experiences you can have there um, but it yeah it, it, it unfortunately it kind of backfired on me <laughs> because it is a very very hardcore environment you know you see a lot of suffering uh, you know, coming from the people that are in the prison. Um, and it's, yeah, it just broke my heart in so many ways. Um, and I saw sort of other elements to our prison system that I just don't agree with regarding sort of, you know, the amount of people I saw uh, come in, coming in and out um, on a regular basis, things like that. And, you know, some of these people had horrible backstories and to me should not be in our prison system. Uh, but, you know, it's a privatised system, not much rehabilitation, lots of quotas to hit. So, that's how I see it, you know, and um, unfortunately that's Australia. The flip side of that discovery, both through the three years as a prison guard but also reflecting back on the initial path you were going to take, is that music provided some answers, did it, to, to something? Absolutely, yeah. Look, I, you know, I did three years and it, it, um, it definitely broke me down in, in many ways. It exhausted me completely and I did suffer with post-traumatic stress syndrome and there's a lot of things that I would want to address um, regarding that with government, you know, on the fact that, you know, prison guards don't get the support they need to process things. There should be mandatory psychology for prisoners and it's not, and things like that. So I guess for me, um, my amazing outlet is my music and and I was able to sit down after that and process through my music and write. I mean, I've written over 50 tracks for the whole entire project and so far and uh, produced them and it's been an incredible healing process as well for me and, you know, to really connect on how I want to release my music for people. It's not so much, to me, the whole point of doing music is to be able to be a voice and it is a gift that we're given as artists, I think, 
that can reflect in a way where we're speaking for, you know, people listen to music every single day and say, oh, I really connect to this song because of what I'm going through in my life. And I believe that we have a community that are forgotten. That's that's what I want to speak out for and be that voice for some, you know, give some hope to young people and, and to people in general. I have in front of me just the single War Zone. You mentioned projects. So could you please talk us through what is the project or collection of songs, what 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 the project, when you say the project, represents? Because it sounds like it's more than just a collection of 50 songs that might go to a 10-track album. What's the project you're referring to? Well, I guess, you know, I, I say project because I've done a number of projects musically over the years mm-hmm. um, and this is my current project that I've spent uh, the last few years developing and, and working on these, sing- these songs. It's different. You know, I have worked in folk music and lots of different genres and this this sound has been on the newer side for me, but I'm absolutely loving it and I feel very connected to it. You know, Warzone, the track itself is about sort of your everyday emotional struggles and your own personal war zone, you know, whether it's work, whether it's personal relationships, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, whether you're coming out and you're dealing with religious issues or spiritual or whatever it is, it's about being able to overcome that war zone, heal through that and get to the other side from the dark to the light. That's sort of what that song reflects for me. This is a great sound you've got going on as well. I've only got one track, obviously. I can't be too biased about it. But using that as being the commu- uh, the, mm-hmm. the communication vehicle of, of getting a sense of purpose to, to the listener as well. So let's call it the project for now because it's not an album yet. <laughs> and it's it not an ma- album yet, no. It might end up being all 50 tracks glued to a wall that you have to walk up, I don't know, an art installation. I don't care as long as, <laughs> as, long as it's released, right? Absolutely. But I want to know about how you have been dealing with that process of getting the music outside of Benedict out to the world, the actual catharsisism of it, I guess. For me, it's it's been a huge a huge emotional process. I mean, I'm an, un, I'm an unsigned and independent artist and I think being able to put these tracks out, like I've put out Warzone, I put out Oh Fool was my first single that I released and then COVID hit and I recorded early in the year and releasing Warzone and the timing of it and um, the connectivity for people, you know, I've been able to release it in the US and UK as well. It's almost like a birthing system, you know. It's like, you know, you kind of feel like you're giving birth to this new life and sharing it with the world and, and that's been my experience and as, as each track sort of gets released, I'm feeling just this beautiful relief yeah, there's a, there's a piece that goes with it, you know, feeling like I'm giving something back, you know, to the community and to the world. I've been um, trying to avoid talking about the virus but only because by the time some of these chats get released, one would hope that we've kind of moved on a bit more from that process. Sure. But looking at Victoria and where, where that's at at the moment, there is that mm. stark reality that's not directly related but is in my mind that you worked within the prison system where people were isolated, that they were within their own cells for that period of time that they were in prison for more than three or four, six, more more than three, six, nine, twelve, even years. And then people are being asked to stay at home for this short period of time. Have you seen any correlations, is my question, between the isolation Victorians are going through at the moment and that that you saw in the prison system? Absolutely. Like I'm in Melbourne myself and, you know, I'm in lockdown and it's, you know, it is a struggle. I mean, I'm lucky I'm creative because, you know, you stick us in a room and it's probably the most positive experience we can have creating. Some lone um, time but, at last. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but, um, you know, at the same time, I'm still struggling. It's still hard. You know, I get, I'm allowed an hour out a day. Well, welcome to the prison world, you know, 
23 hour lockdown, an hour out to walk around a yard and, you know, have a chin wag and a shower. That's sort of what they go through. And, you know, that's sort of what it feels like. And the streets feel eerie. And, you know, we're going on walks with masks and everyone's sort of trying to avoid each other. And there's a real awkward sort of sense, like a feeling around the whole town, the, the whole city, I should say. And it's a big eye opener to me regarding you know, watching our government trying to deal with it. There's a lot of, you know, people, conspiracy theorists and people going, well, was this, you know, biological war or what's going on and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's good for people to question. I think it's time that people stop being numb and wake up and go, hang on a minute, what are we doing? Like this is happening and then that's happening and it is time to reflect on your life and it is time to sit down and go, okay, you know what, I think, you know, even on your own personal life, you know, there's obviously a lot of suffering around with, with things like domestic violence and stuff like that that they've, they've quoted in the media and I think this is a really serious thing. But I think it's good for people to go, hey, guess what, guys? This is what happens to people who might have had a, a really rough trot at the, you know, growing up, you know, with junky parents or heroin addict parents, you know, all that sort of stuff. And the stories I've heard are, are disgraceful. And some of these people who are stuck in the prisons, all they need is a bit of love and care and rehabilitation. But that's what they've been dealt. So you know, maybe it's time to think on that. As a musician creative, what role does music play for those prisoners? Um, look, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess everybody's different, but you mean as in like them listening to it or? Yeah, we're going to have a conversation coming up soon and it's with someone who goes into the prisons and performs their, their music and, and I guess shares oh, cool. singer-songwriting with them. And I'll let you know, um, a spoiler listener we've already heard it is that the prisoners themselves are a little hesitant for that kind of outside interaction they they feel like it's someone who's doing a little bit better than they are that someone who's got better is the wrong word but have got things going on differently uh heading into the prison and and presenting but what i want to know is about how music within that prison system is integrated into the rehabilitation of those that are inside i I imagine some of them might have the radio to listen to but maybe they don't maybe they have people coming in to sing for them what role does music play within the prisons have you seen during your time there look i think you know, every every prison's different. Obviously, I can't mention where I worked. You know, I think with the the prison system, it's you know I have friends that work in and they go into the juvenile detention centres in Melbourne and they do songwriting sessions with the, with the young people there, and the young people get so much out of it. You know, they feel like they're they're listened to and they be like whether it's hip hop or whether it's you know like you know doing some rapping or, or writing a song and it's giving them an outlet and an opportunity regarding the prison system here look with the adult prison system I guess there's it depends on the prison and what sort of programs they're um, you know they're implementing I, I know that internationally there's a lot of different teams that come in and out and do you know everything from meditation through to music and what we're talking about John is people of a community they're people they're humans so mm. you know they you can walk into a group of people in the city you know in Federation Square in Melbourne and do a gig you know on the stage there and there's half of the crew is going to love it. The other half of the people are going to go, this is this is not great, and they're going to walk off. Same, same, same. You know, um, it, to me, all it is about is about making these people feel like they're actually, like, worthy, you know, and they have an opportunity to be able to express themselves. And I think any program that's going to go into a prison and whether it's music or whatever, 
it's a great outlet for them because music as human beings, you know, it's the language of the world, isn't it, music? I know people that have done music therapy in prisons internationally and here. And, you know, it's something I'd eventually love to do as well is to get into the prisons and be able to be a musician on mm. the other end, you know, instead of a guard. And obviously working with youth and working with different communities over the years and then just chatting to people. Like I remember being, you know, in the prison system, for example, I wrote a song which I would love to release called Better For You. And the reason I wrote it is because I was, you know, working, you know, night shifts, day shifts and all these sort of things. And you do forget what you say to the prisoners. And I remember this, um, you know, young guy came in and, walking into a cell they're like, oh how you going brother and oh, what are you doing back here oh I stuffed up miss you know and you just have a chat with them I mean they're people yeah you just mm. have a chin wagon oh do you need a feed and you know talk to them where they're at he said to me you know I said oh you bugger you know what are you doing you know what are you doing back in he said well to be honest miss it's the longest I've stayed out and because six months ago you told me I could be better and I really believed it and that to me really hit me because I thought oh, my gosh, look, I don't remember that, but he does. And I, I did notice that, you know, anything you say to those prisoners, they cling on to because that is their life. But I'm working with youth and working with people over the years who have suffered in trauma and, and many different things, positive reinforcement isn't really something they get. And when they do get it, it's something that they will hold on to and move with. And I believe that music touches the soul in a different way. You know, I wrote a song called Better For You because I believe anybody can be better. And I think that doesn't matter what circumstance you come from, everybody has a choice. But they also need to be given the choice in rehabilitation. We look at Norway, they have a 5% return rate in their prison system because they are rehabilitating their people with psychology, psychiatry, they're giving them a trade. They're making them worthy in their community. And that's not something we do here, John. Also, music gives them that message within a three to five minute window as well and I guess a chance to tune out of whatever is happening around this scenario what a cellmate may or may not be doing what might be happening in that one hour connection they have with other prisoners as well it's been a long time since I've been inside a prison and actually um, engaged with that Mm. environment I'm I'm, after chatting with this other performer does that songwriting with them I feel like I need to somehow engage back in and and get a sense of where you've been at as well as they've been at so I can get a a better empathy myself on that did you get the the vibe from working within that prison system I guess I I remember those times when people like Bob Dylan would perform in a prison that there is a place for musicians to actually engage more regularly I know it seems like a really basic question but you would know more than I would ever know about that, about having a musician drop in and actually be part of that environment and how that would change their lives. This is the thing. That's what I was saying before is, you know, you got you got people clinging to things to keep them going in the prisons. You know, you've got people, you're sitting there like, okay, you're in lockdown and, you know, you've still got your Netflix around you, your music, your food that you want to eat and you're in an environment where you can be whatever you want. In the prison, no, you can't. They, they're going to cling to things that inspire them to make them feel a little bit of hope. Now, if that's music or that's a, a, t- a TV show or an actor or, you know, whatever it is that's going to keep them going, I say, like, yeah, give it to them. Like, give them some positivity, you know, like let's give them some hope. And I think that, you know, yeah, like the Bob Dylans and, you know, other artists in Australia that have gone in and out playing music and even seeing documentaries in, in America, you know, watching the prisoners, just how they light up. They've got a concert and the simplicity of it. And it, it's some of them just, oh, just oh, it, it breaks my heart, I guess, because it's, like I said, these are people are in our community. You know, these are brothers and sisters. These are people's son or daughter or mum or dad. 
And I don't think anybody really wanted to live that sort of life. I'm not saying that people like the high-end prisoners, whether it's rapists, pedophiles, murderers, all that sort of, shouldn't be in the system. I do think there's a place for that. But regarding people who have been, you know, with psych issues or with drug issues and that sort of stuff, there is a backstory and we should be listening and to give those people hope and an opportunity. It's just treating them like another another human being. So, yeah, we should be doing more shows. There should be more music. There should be concerts going in, even a festival, like lots of different things we could be doing um, to give hope to these people. And you've said already that it's, of course, affected you quite deeply as well. Absolutely. Can you talk to us about that transition and what you were able to do to get yourself where you are now that you can actually produce tens of songs ready to go and to share with the world? Yeah. I've used the services that I've, you know, that I've been given and I think that is important to keep your mental health on track and, you know, as a creative, our brains are pretty pretty hectic as they are. for that way we think but um I ended up you know um seeking out the best possible treatment I could get for post-traumatic stress syndrome and I was able to delve into that with a clinical therapist there and and heal those areas that really traumatized me from my work but then I was able to sort of move forward from that as well and learn a lot about myself and then from there put it into my music and push it out and it's it's you know I think that you know, we're so blessed in our community to be able to have those sort of resources with psychologists and psychiatrists and all that sort of thing that other countries don't have full access to. And I think, you know, for me, I'm all for that, you know, um, especially to keep your mental health on track. And and that's something that I've delved into and it's been the best thing I, I possibly could do. I, I, you know, I worked with a lot of guys and girls that haven't received any sort of like uh, I guess debriefing when it comes to the work I mean we were doing 12-hour shifts with half an hour lunch breaks you know on our feet with um, men and women and strip searching and dealing with all this sort of different stuff constantly all day and feeding them their meds and suddenly there's a code blue and then there's this and, da, 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 and so you know so it's constant 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 and you're always on edge and you know and then you go home some of the guys and girls are going home to their family their kids you know, and I remember some of them saying in, at work the next day, oh, you know, I yelled at little Johnny, he wanted me to help him with his homework and I screamed at him like he was a prisoner and I realised that I was just like something wasn't right. Mm. And and this is this is where, you know, and then I'd, I'd hear a couple of years into my work, I'd hear guards talking like the prisoners to the prisoners, hey, your dog, oh, you're this. It's like, mate, you're not a prisoner, you know, but you feel like you're institutionalised, you kind of end up in this world, it's another world. And... You know, unfortunately, like I said, the system isn't rehabilitative for, I believe, for anyone working in it, you know. And I guess the mentality with Aussies is, you know, harden up and get on with it, mate. And that's also I found with the management <laughs> was was to us, you know. We might have just taken someone to the ground because, the, you know, they're off their heads on ice and, you know, and they're attacking everyone. We're, we're trying to, you know, re- restrain them from hurting themselves or anybody else. And that can take up to an hour and then we get a you're good mate all right sweet can you just go and help you know it's not like grab a glass of water let's sit down and let's debrief it and then you've got to go home to your normal life you know and it's not reality it's not reality at all you still have mates that are obviously within that system I sense from the way that you've answered that particular Mm -hmm. question yeah when you're writing the music performing the music even getting this collection of tunes ready are you thinking about them while you're doing that that maybe what you're doing outside of that work is going to hopefully help them. And by them, I mean the actual prison guards and 
custody guards? Absolutely. I think about that a lot. Mm. Um, I've actually started writing a, well, a couple of years ago, I put together a pilot for a TV series based around what I did in the prison work. It's actually probably more focused on what the guards go through, to be honest, the vicious cycle that we got all got caught up in. Um, but yeah, I definitely think of them as well. But you know, like for me, I think of every community across the board, you know, whether it's a prison system, whether it's the LGBTQI+, whether it's like you know, any men or women or people are going through their suffering. I just wanted to reach people. And I guess because I was so heavily pushed into the prison system, it was a big shock. You get five weeks of training in a classroom, then you get put on the ground and they're like, off you go. And it's like, what? Like, this is reality. It is a shock to the system. And, you know, it's something that I will continue to speak out about. Radio Notes, released first as podcast, can also be heard on Radio Worldwide. Benedict is our special guest on Radio Notes today. The latest single has been called War Zone. They have been in such areas themselves somewhat. Let's talk about the production of this music. Dean Tuza. Dean Tuza. Yeah. Now, he, yes. he, he's worked with the likes of Stella Donnelly. What was the working partnership that you had with Dean? Dean's brilliant. I'm still working with Dean. Dean worked under David Kahn in New York for eight years. He looks after Beyonce and a whole bunch of other artists. Dean is great. He did the first album and wrote on on it for the Rubens. He's done a whole lot of stuff, Um, you know, worked with heaps of Aussie artists as well. And he's just an absolute gem when it comes to being an A-list producer. And I'm still working with him. So we're actually going to be doing my next single together. I'm not going to give up a good thing, but our relationship is great. He's a solid person and to work with and just an all-round good guy and um, very genuine. I mean, his gift is incredible. Watching him work is just insane. He's musically talented as well as technically talented. But, you know, as a combination, it's it's just a weapon. What about the sonic palette as well? How have you been enjoying that? You come to this music with your own sonic palette, I'm sure, and he's very much got mm-hmm. his ears of that. Talk to us about that and how that sonic palette partnership has been working as well it's been really interesting I'll, I'll bring a track to him and I hear two or three different elements on it and then he kind of takes it to the next level Warzone originally was going to be big Phil Collins drums and really like sort of drawn out and he said to me you know okay Benedict you know you might not love me right now but this is going to be a dance track and I'm like uh no it's not because I would never do dance and he was like it's going to be a dance track and I know it just trust me trust me and come on mate come on and Look, I, I handed over, I handed it over and, and he was right. The power and the strength that he's put into it. You know, he, he pulled out a Roland 808, which is what Michael Jackson used to use for his beats. And he said, all right, we're going to do this. So sit down. I want you to put some beats that you like together and then I'll implement them into the system and bang, bang, bang. Just this knowledge is crazy. So I, I, I've loved it. And now I'm like, let's do another dance track. So I'm like, you've converted me. He's just his brain, how it works. It, you know, I trust him implicitly with, with the music. And so, yes, I have a whole sort of a demo that I, I produced prior to coming to him and he just he literally takes it to where I, I couldn't see and that's that's what a great producer does. Yeah, absolutely. And so. and I had a feeling that you weren't a techno beaty kind of person. I didn't <laughs> want to be disrespectful to you. Uh, but obviously uh, it is something new for you. What do you like on the dance floor? If, what what is the banger that gets Benedict going on the dance floor then? Ooh. I love, like, I absolutely love dancing and I uh, actually salsa, South American music is my fave, one of my faves. I've salsa danced for years, but 
I'm a sucker for when it comes to disco and that sort of stuff. So, you know, all of the Gaga stuff is great to me, but, you know, the Madonna stuff and Prince and, you know, the MJ and the, you know, your David Bowies and all that sort of stuff, that's, that's my vibe. You know, 60s to 90s is like, you know, my thing. Dean has taken it to another level regarding the dance stuff, which is great, you know, hitting a market that I may not have reached first single was a lot slower oh full which you can get on spotify as well and the next track going to be up there but then i think the album from there that we want to do is going to be full of lush sort of you know big um, instrumentation that's going to take it to a more of a sort of pink floydy lana del rey sort of vibe spotify doesn't pay artists much are you investigating some of the other forms like the band camps and and those kind of things as well to get the tunes out there or maybe even an actual album album yeah, look, definitely want to do like an album, yes, vinyl. I'm definitely looking at doing an A and a B side, which would be super fun. Uh, you know, merchandise, yeah. And obviously we can't tour, which is really difficult at the moment for us artists wanting to do like our live shows. Yeah, title is a brilliant one for artists. Obviously Jay-Z put that together and and that's American-based. But, yeah, Spotify is uh, it's hard. You know, it's a different industry now. We kind of have to sit with what we get and it's... You know, it's sort of like, well, we're not going to make that money. You know, I think it's point zero zero something each stream on on Spotify. You know, if people are like, wow, they've got three million streams, they're making so much money. It's like, no, honey, that probably like, you know, covered my petrol. Um, so, <laughs> hey, that's why, you know, again, struggling artists and we're doing it for the love. But, you know, that's where we've got to try and look further into it to get deals and so on and sinks and all that sort of thing to try and uh, keep our, our art going. What? TV show would you like Warzone synced into or TV series, I guess it'd be? Oh, my God. I have no idea. Look, I'd love it to be, you know, I love crime. Like I love UK crime TV shows. Ha- hang on. Hang on. How can you love crime having been a prison guard and know how crime doesn't pay? Crime doesn't pay, but... I love, I love crime. Like I love, you know, the psychological, like working out the crime, doing all this. I would have, look, I love it. I love watching it. I don't agree with it, but I like that at the end there's justice, see? There's a, there's a light at the end of that tunnel, John. So for me, you know, it's, um, it's, it's about the, uh, you know, catching the bad boy or the bad girl, I should say. But I don't know. Look, I, I, I would love Warzone to be part of anything that I guess – political I guess or I'd love it to be part of something on a deeper level opposed to you know something used for a fluffy love relationship you know I would like it to be something that I guess is connected to a really strong scene as being yeah a a traumatic situation but there's an uplifting vibe to it. I'm very much a believer that you know your songs find where they're meant to be placed that's going to go to the right audience to to be heard and to, to connect with I've heard a number of different artists on shows lately that I'm like, wow, who is that? And I'm shazamming away because their songs are just blowing my mind and I've never heard of them. They might be from UK, Germany, Norway, whatever, and just incredible. And I know like Tones and I, for example, she's doing a competition at the moment for artists where she said, look, you know, it's a hard time out there for all of you guys, so I'm going to hold a competition and it's called That One Song. Shoot me through your your latest track. And I'm going to, you know, pick the top 20 and then, the, you know, the audience can vote. 
and um, they'll get opportunities. They'll get five k and all that sort of stuff. And it's so cool. Like to me, here's an artist who got number one all over the all over the world last year. She's a young artist. She's done really well, and she's giving back to her musical community, which I think is awesome. And it's given some young people. Hope. But I've listened to some artists on there, and I'm like, what? Like she's posting it, and I'm like, who's this person? Like I've never heard of them because they're an indie artist, you know. And there's so much music, amazing music out there. Let's get back to you, Benedict, mm-hmm. and let me ask you about those fifty tracks because it's still hitting me in a good way that you've got 50 tracks because a lot of people uh-huh. in, in a career don't even get that many. Are we looking at doing a 10-track, as you said, AB album scenario? Are you going to just hold on to them? Are you bastardising some to make a better song? How do you look after your 50 tracks? Yep. Well, I mean, that's just for this project. Obviously, I have a massive back catalogue as well. And for me, these tracks... I definitely want to release through EPs and albums. It comes down to budget, you know, like indie artists, mate. Like we are just, I'm I'm using every penny I've got. But I'm loving it too, you know. This is part of the journey. And so, yeah, I'm definitely keen to get into the studio. Like I've already spoken to Dean about doing an album and, and smacking it out there. I feel like each track has its own little life. So, you know, like I said, the last three to four years developing and building these tracks through production as well, I'm excited to be able to get them on, onto a vinyl and put them out, get them out on Spotify, get them out to the, the world. What are you currently reading? You seem like you may be a good reader. I do like to read. I'm more of a watcher. I love watching and I love audio. The Artist Way is a great book um, if you are an artist. It's, uh, it's a, a self-help one that Dean put me onto that I'm sort of slowly tackling. Uh, but I have actually just been focusing more so on my writing of my um, TV show that I really want to put together. Look, I don't know much about mm-hmm. writing for TV. I, I don't watch television. i just say that now. What is that writing process like for television? Because I know there is some great Australian drama that's going to be released in the next few years eventually. Mm. So obviously you're part of that wave, trying to be or are part of that wave. What is that process like of writing a TV drama? For me, I've been developing the pilot. I'm definitely not a writer when it comes to I know my limits. <laughs> like I would have to, I really would love to work with some great writers. And it's been interesting actually. I had an amazing woman contact me through Dean actually a couple of weeks ago who's doing a documentary about world prison system and for women and so on. And she contacted me to get some information on my background. And, you know, through her, she's been really, really amazing help and wants to connect me with a couple of directors here. I'm going to write it as a process for me. And, you know, obviously I'll share it. Um, but I do believe, again, like the songs find their way. Yes, you have to push to, to get somewhere. You can't just sort of sit back and hope that someone's going to pick you up. And a very therapeutic process for me to write this pilot and to develop it. And, and sort of, you know, I don't want it to be a pretty little drama. I'd like it to be a very real, raw, hard-hitting drama where people are going to go, oh, my God, this is actually based on true stories. This is something that is happening now. I've seen people out on the streets that I've seen in my cells and in the prisons before. People going, oh, look at that guy. I was weirdo, you know. And it's like, mate, he's got the worst psych issues. You know, there's people suffering every single day. So I really want to bring that to the forefront um, and that's something that I like I said, developing. Society's judgment is still very thick, isn't it? That there is that discrimination, just such ease in terms of judgment of oh. the others. And it's not just the so-called homeless bum at the end of the street on the park bench, but it's just through no. the person 
that we don't talk to anymore, that we've got our phone and we're, we're having a look down, that we're just walking past. In fact, what a great time to look at my phone is as I walk past this person who could do with a hello. Absolutely. I remember actually I had a gig down in the city last year at Boney, uh, the beginning of the year, and we were in a laneway right near where there's a homeless uh, soup kitchen and you know, there was a couple of young young people there and one of my best mates, Chrissy, and I were just waiting to walk, doing a bit of warm-up and they were like, oh, what do you guys do? And it was so nice to have a chat with them and just like, you know, hey, go on, brother, like what's going on? And just, you know, we're all dressed up and when we originally chatted to them, they were a bit like, oh, why, why are you guys talking to us? And, you know, when we just talked to them like, you know, you would every day, mm. they, they felt that connection and they were like, oh, you're a musician. And I was like, yeah, you know, you guys are more than welcome to come in and see the show. Like, and they're like, oh, but we're not really dressed. And I go, I don't care. Like I'll, I'll let the, the guards know you, meant, you know, the security that you're coming in. Because to me it's like, well, why not allow them to come into a show and see it? Mm. You know, this here's a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old that's probably would love to do that but, you know, can't because they don't have the money or whatever. And I don't know their situation. I'm not there to judge. But, you know, they appreciated the chat and, you know, you just never know how you can change someone's life or what you say. You just don't. Let's talk about that TV script. Obviously, you've made it quite clear that you want other people to help you out with that process as well. So you've got um, you've got synopsis, you've got a bit of a plot, you've got the characters, but the actual writing, you might mm-hmm. want some more other people on board. How, how, how do you go about that? Obviously, you might go to a writing session, for example, and I've got one in mind. Um, the great Dan Bennett does them in Melbourne every now and again. But how do you get that process together? Have you got a team in mind for that or are you just going to let the stars do their thing? I would love to have, uh, I guess, you know, a creative input, you know, the script and that sort of thing, um, just because it would be based on my story and many different things that I've gone through and seen and whatever. I'm really interested to continue on chatting with this woman that I've, I've connected with through my music producer. She's obviously been around for a long time in film here, so she's got a few people in mind and and that's kind of the direction I'm looking at going. The current single is Warzone and as part of that, you do actually have a very beautiful film clip. Talk us through that and how that came about. Thank you. I came up with that idea. My friend who's in the film clip, Dylan, he's uh, skating in it and um, it was meant to be based around sort of his war zone and what he'd been through in his life and we wanted to create it in a very cold and industrial vibe, so we we used a, a... an awesome um, warehouse in Footscray. You know, it was a one-day shoot. We did it all on iPhone, which was super fun. Yeah, I ended up literally, he took me into a store, vintage garage in Melbourne in, in Collingwood, and I walked in and, and was able to work with a guy called Val who is a queer, I should say a queer stylist from Italy. So you could imagine it was very birdcage and I walked in and it was like, okay, darling. And um, it was, oh, my God, I have the best outfit for you. And um, I actually ended up wearing his dress that he wears on a day-to-day basis, which is a Victorian, <laughs> vintage Victorian dress. It was so amazing. And, yeah, the concept was like a, a you know, a grieving widow, so a grieving, grieving in this war zone um, as I sing it. And each character came to me as I walked into this store. It was, it was the day before the film clip. And I rang my mates who were all in the film clip. And I was like, do you guys want to be in my film clip? And they're like, great, sure. Where do we meet you? Let's try an outfit. And each person in that film clip brought their own war zone, brought their own suffering and just immersed themselves in that track. And I was in tears at the end of the day, just so overwhelmed by their energy and how great they were. And as you can see, it's reflected in, in the work. We can thank someone with uh, a great flair for the eras gone past as well because they are 
absolutely. fantastic costumes. Absolutely, yeah. Is uh, you know, and Moose, who actually owns the store, she's opening it up for many different artists now to be able to hire from her uh, directly for film clips and so on. So it's a great opportunity to jump in. Do you miss the folk elements that you've played with previously, or do you think you've moved on from that now, working with Dean and the like? Oh, look, I do. I do miss some of it, yeah. But I, I do believe that I will eventually do like a really folky album as well, a stripped back version put them out just as as singles and or even like do an album that would just be that stripped back acoustic guitar which would be super fun and it it goes back so back to my roots what were those earlier years like so recent times obviously quite traumatic Mm -hmm. due to the job that we've mentioned at the start but let's take you way back what were those earlier years like were you a bubbly happy child were you destined to be be happy for the rest of your life back then Look, I was. Um, I actually grew up in, um, you know, a really solid family. I've got great parents, uh, still alive today, still together. You know, my brother and my sister. And my mum actually comes from a massive musical family. So she's got uh, 13 brothers and sisters and they're all musical. So I have many cousins. (laughs) So I grew up in in a really supportive, creative household. My childhood was filled with spirituality and life and I was always uh, had a big heart for people and mission and I think that moving into my, you know, teens and then my moving into sort of my 20s and so on and really exercising that in every possible way that I could, you know, I was always sort of wanting to get out and play my music and I was, like I said, gigging since I was 15 and, you know, I'm 36 now and so that's a long journey and many years of playing with bands and, you know, I had a 10-piece band that I'd had sold out shows in Melbourne with and Brizzy and stuff like that. And, you know, it was just great. Um, And then being able to, you know, travel to Nashville and do a few things there and writing and so on. And I've had great experiences with my folk root stuff and a lot of growth as well. You know, I mean, I, who I am today, I feel is the strongest I've ever been in my life, but then I've, I've healed and grown and and shifted a lot of things as well. Um, I'm super glad that, you know, I know who I am and I love being an older artist. Like a lot of people, oh, you know, you're too old and you should have been out at 20. Well, actually, to be honest, you know, at 20 I had no bloody idea whether I was Arthur or Martha. So it's good for me now to be in the position I am because I know what I want, I know how I want to do it and being a strong independent person is important to be able to put that career forward and I'm no hold bars now. This is how I do it. I'm, I'm confident and clear on my on my vision so it's it's a great place to be in I love being in my 30s it's awesome as mum said Willie Nelson was 37 before he made it so I've still got hope (laughs) on that uh, very parental and positive note Benedict thanks very much for joining Radio Notes (laughs) thank you so much John I appreciate it thanks for having me radionotespodcast.com for show notes and links Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Murch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia.